Hello and welcome to the Book of Leaves podcast. My name is Cara Carney and I am your host. episode 81 of Book of Leaves. In this podcast interview I am going to be chatting to a volunteer from Sea Shepherd Ireland called Emma and I really enjoyed this chat so hopefully you guys will as well. Before we get into that if anyone is new to the podcast you're very welcome. It's so lovely to have you here. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life um, that are doing something good for the planet in Ireland or with a connection to Ireland and the whole idea is myself and you the listeners can take a leaf out of their book to add to our own way of eco-friendly living. So that's where the show's name comes from. Before we get into Emma's interview, I want to say two things. First off, thank you so much to anyone who showed up to the event that was with Kurt International Festival of Literature. Myself, Owen Dalton, Mancon McGann and Emma Must had a lovely panel talk in the Town Hall Theatre and it was just, yeah, it was just really nice. You know, sometimes chatting about climate change can just be really nice and enjoyable. Um, So I definitely recommend checking out their books if you haven't already. Uh, I'm in back in Barcelona now so I don't know if you'll be able to hear the background music I'm in uh, rent an apartment while I'm over here and the walls are very thin but it means that you get to be there's loads of different noises that just bleed through the walls so you'll probably be picking up some footsteps and kids playing and lots of music in the background the life here is amazing and there's a couple of things that I'm going to be posting on social media really nice things that I've noticed that Barcelona does and um, that's really eco-friendly like their public transport is just amazing it's so well equipped so yeah anyway that will be for my social media and the other thing I wanted to say is this is the first podcast I recorded since last year um with Emma and I made an absolute boo-boo it's not too bad but I didn't double triple check that my microphone was recording my audio via the microphone (laughs) instead it was picking up my audio from the webcam which is not good audio but thankfully Emma's audio is beautiful and crisp and clear and she's talking for 85 90 percent of this of this chat so I hope you bear with me when I'm I'm, when I'm talking it's not going to be the best but she's more important than me for this chat so sorry about that I mean you think at four years in the podcast um in the podcasting world I'd learn to double check that but no there's always something so before we start playing Emma's interview if you do like the podcast if you would like more people to hear it or you think there's more good messages in this please do share it with a friend word of mouth is the biggest way people start listening to new podcasts so recommend it to family friends colleagues activist groups that you're in Shared on social media, you'll find me, Book of Leaves Podcast, on all the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I'll be sharing some visuals from this episode in posts as well on Instagram to kind of like, I don't know, I just, I, I find it a bit more interesting because when I hear podcasts that I'm talking, that I'm listening to, talking about certain things, and then they upload photographs of them, I just really enjoy that. So I'll be doing that a little bit as much as I can anyway, um, where relevant for the interviews. And of course, if you are in a position where you can contribute financially to the podcast, I do have a Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash book of leaves or a buy me a coffee account where you can donate once off or you can sign up to donate regularly there as well. So that's buymeacoffee.com forward slash book of leaves. And I really appreciate all the people who are supporting me on those platforms 
from so much already like there's so many little costs that add up um from hosting to the website to the video editing and the picture editing that I use there's just a lot so thank you so much to everyone who has been contributing I really appreciate it I'm just noticing now that you can probably hear me earrings clicking hear that oh well here's a bit of ASMR for you so Without further ado, I really hope you guys enjoyed this chat with Emma from Sea Shepherd and don't forget that they are still looking for volunteers and I have a little update as well about the EU shark finning at the end of the interview. So enjoy and we'll catch you after. Hello everyone, my name is Emma and um, I am the director, country director of Sea Shepherd Ireland. That's my volunteering job, but I also uh, work full time too. So it's like two full jobs in one go. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know so many people like that. That's what happens when you end up, you know, caring so much about something. You'll do it for free, but then you also need to pay your bills as well. Are we allowed to know what your full time job is in the vein of? Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm a customer experience manager for a company called Slack. Ah, sure, we know the Slack. Slack got very popular <laughs> during the uh, lockdown now. Oh, I see, I see. Interesting. Um, but yeah. Sea Shepherd is completely different to Slack. So <laughs> obviously, a little bit, a little bit different. Um, yeah, Slack is like a communication kind of uh, forum uh, platform, very popular for like workspaces and stuff like that for anyone listening who hasn't heard of it. But Sea Shepherd Ireland is obviously, we'll get into who they are, but if you're volunteering for a group like that, obviously you care about marine life or you care about certain aspects of the environment or maybe just the environment as a whole, as we all should. Have you always been interested or caring about the environment or was there like a, a turning point for you in your life? Well, yeah, I suppose it, it, it pends back to when I was, I remember my very first dolphin show, would you believe, when I was seven years old, I was in Portugal. And we went to a dolphinarium there and I saw my very first dolphin in real in real life. And I fell in love with the animal straight away. Um, and all I wanted to be when I was seven was a dolphin trainer. I wanted to be that person standing up there showing off this beautiful animal. And I was like just absolutely astounded by how amazing it was. And so my mom was really supportive of me. I have to say she was incredible. And she, even though it was a completely wild out dream, it's almost like somebody said they want to be an astronaut kind of thing. Um, But I was being shown different ways to get involved with marine life. And mom would always bring me out to the beach. And she's a great believer in the beach having healing powers. So anytime I wasn't feeling well, I'd go, she'd bring me out to the beach and we do big breath in and big breath out and thank the beach and the sea and the ocean for minding us. And it was very much like a kind of holistic way of looking at stuff. Fast forward to me being um, 16 and my mom, myself and my mom went over to Florida. I was doing TY in school, actually. And I was still mad about dolphins. Like everything in my room was dolphin. Like my duvets, my uh, pillows, I had dolphin teddies, all of my ornaments, all of my room were all dolphin everything. Um, and like to a puking point. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, so we went to, to Florida for six weeks during my TY to experience high school. While we were there, we, she also organized for me to be a dolphin trainer for a day with the Clearwater Aquarium in um, Clearwater in Florida which has since become really famous from a movie oh what is the movie called movie basically about a dolphin who is found without its tail dolphin tail 
I knew the movie would oh, go. explained it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they became really famous from that movie way after I was there. I was there way before that. They are a volunteer organization that take dolphins that are found on beaches or beached and they nurse them back to health, basically. So it was a different way of looking at dolphin training. It wasn't for public amusement. They were training them so they could give them medicine. They were training them so they could examine them. And then they were releasing them back to the wild. So they weren't keeping them. And I was like, oh, that's different. And that was the first time that I actually thought about why are we keeping them in tanks and not letting them go? And that was an amazing experience. Like it was some parts of it were gross <laughs> from like the prepping the food part was a bit gross. Um, I came home to Ireland then and I um, did my work experience in the aquarium in Galway and I absolutely loved it. But again, in the back of my head was always, why are they in tanks? These are healthy this... dolphins, like they're not, they weren't rescues or whatever. Necessarily. Yeah. And like in the aquarium in, in, in Galway, there, there weren't any dolphins, but there was, there were rays and dogfish and crabs and, and eels and pollock. And I was going, they're used to this massive space that I'm used to standing at with my mother breathing in and out and looking at and going, wow, it's so expansive. And now we're putting them into a little box. So why are we doing that? So that was where my passion kind of started. I started looking up stuff. This is in the day of like, it takes you a million years to get onto the internet kind of thing. Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> I love tone and you're right, you yeah. go off and make a cup of tea while the one web page you're trying to load is still like loading. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so I had MySpace at the time and I found a guy called Rick O'Barry, who was uh, Flipper, which obviously was my favorite program when I was a kid. But Flipper, um, for those of you that don't know, was uh, an American show about a dolphin being friends with a boy. Basically, they fight crime together and stuff. It's quite cute. But Rick O'Barry was a trainer for Flipper in the 80s. And uh, Flipper actually, sadly, committed suicide in Rick O'Barry's arms um, because she was so depressed. Oh with uh, being in captivity and that changed him in that moment and he became a huge advocate for dolphins and he discovered the cove in Taiji where they capture these bottlenose dolphins and they blocked them into this cove the dolphin trainers from different dolphinariums around the world they come in they go that's a pretty dolphin that's a pretty dolphin I'll take that one that one and that one and the rest of them are all slaughtered so when I watched the watch the documentary The Cove because it is it is unbelievably heartbreaking that spurred me on even more to go okay this is seriously not right we we all need to change our minds with this but I was still sort of on the fence of I kind of thought that people were still doing good by having dolphins in tanks and minding them and maybe they didn't have a home to go to and I was still quite naive at the age of 16 17 but when we were in Florida as well we went to SeaWorld and the first day was amazing because I could touch the dolphin and I was like oh my god and it's right there and the second day I had my eyes open and I broke down in tears with how many dolphins were in that one tank that people were just prodding and poking. Like every, all members of the public were just touching them and taunting them. And it was just vile. So I was like, I swear to God, I'll never go back there again. And I will talk to everybody about not going back there again. Uh, so then it was becoming my leaving cert year. And I was like, what do I do with the rest of my life? <laughs> decisions when you're only like 18 yeah yeah exactly so I decided to do marine science and try and get into the conservation side of things so did marine science in in college in NUIG loved it loved it so much that I stayed for five years instead of four years (laughs) but I while I was there actually Sea Shepherd Ireland were around and they came into campus one day 
and I nearly lost my life because I knew what Sea Shepherd was at that point because I had seen Whale Wars and I was like, oh, they're in Ireland, what? And so I ran up to the girl, I think she thought I was crazy, but I ran up to her going, I want to get involved, I want to, what do I want to do? I can do something. <laughs> so um, I started up with Sea Shepherd back then and I was in the events coordinator side of things. I put on events with different Irish bands around the country, raise money for Sea Shepherd Global and Sea Shepherd Ireland. So that was kind of my beginning look at, at Sea Shepherd and what, what they were doing in Ireland at when I was only, what, 22. So, But that's really interesting because I love your, your journey is so clear. This is, I love asking people this question because I love finding out like when various seeds were planted and seen in someone's journey like that it's not just all of a sudden one day you decide to care about whales like there's so much there from your relationship with your mom to the experiences that you had what beach did you grow up near um so i'm from Castlebar in mayo so we used to always go out to bircher beach in westport it was either the beach or we'd go to bilberry lake just on the way out to the beach and stand by the lake it was anything with water like my mom is mad into blue spaces and now i am <laughs> but she's a great really great believer in the healing powers of the ocean and even like if you if you're at the beach and you get a cut or something she'd encourage you to go in to the water and the water will heal it for you and and everything and it's very true in fairness to her like i've always felt better after being at the beach and you know getting that fresh really fresh air into you and what I always say at the when we're doing beach cleans I always say to the group at the very end of it I stop everyone and I say right everyone take a deep breath and take a second one and once that second one is done I say right that second one came directly from the ocean we have to thank the ocean for that one otherwise we wouldn't be able to breathe yes isn't that the thing so every second Mm -hmm. breath the oxygen in that is provided by the ocean because we always think that it's only trees and forests yeah that's a really really powerful reminder of the importance of it yeah because we can't breathe underwater so we forget about it that'll that'll come up a couple of times because that means you can't see the animals and everything that are there um, yeah. out of sight out of mind kind of thing and just before we move on to a little bit about sea shepherd as well i just want to comment on the cove documentary i actually never watched it because when i know something is bad and if i think it watching it like earthlings will just like upset me mm-hmm. but i'm already like acting i'm like okay no Cara, don't do that to yourself so because i hadn't seen that i actually had no i, I just presumed that they were all killing the dolphins for like food and and, and medicine in inverted commas i had no idea that dolphin trainers were going there as part of that because you see this in like the pro sea world community all the time that we love our dolphins and like I'd understand you know people do form you know zookeepers and and farmers can form bonds with animals because they are beautiful beings and you can get emotionally attached but then to say that and actually know that these places are, are supporting like massacres of dolphins that that just blows my mind you know just, yeah um, I I do think that a, a few I mean, if you're to believe some of the the comments from some of the trainers, some of the trainers don't know. Like, obviously, it's the higher ups that would be picking the dolphins, etc. But some of the trainers on the ground don't know that this happens. Now, that's a very much past tense. They sh- didn't know. They have to know by now, unless they just don't like close unless off their they minds. They don't have the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if they close off their minds and you don't want to know, then you don't want to know. And that's, you know, that's one thing. Even in, in the documentary, Blackfish is another one that's really good about SeaWorld. There is a kind of a naivety around it of like, oh, that naivety that I had when I was seven. of like, I want to be a dolphin trainer. That's amazing. And they're so friendly. And blah. But you you have to grow up at some point and you have to realize that something is bigger than just you and your feelings around it. And it's, it is like, 
as, as you know, being being an activist, it's, it is quite difficult to talk to people that have that mindset of, no, you're wrong because I say you're wrong. There's no fact behind it. We have all the facts. We're saying this is wrong because X amount of dolphins are killed a year. X amount of you know dolphins are in captivity and they are depressed. They have different you know diseases happening for them. And people are like, no, well you're wrong because they look like they're happy and they're smiling. And yeah, that's, the that's just the the argument yeah. is just that. You're like, yeah, no, you're wrong. and like, you're like said, okay. their minds are closed <laughs> off. Yeah, so that's why I, I think documentaries, though, when things like that come out or become viral, like Sea Spiracy and Blackfish, you know, I think they're really helpful in widening that circle of people. Oh, massively. Conscious. So art thing, any kind of fundraising and awareness is just so important about this. But there's so much I want to talk to you about. Uh, I'd love <laughs> to know because you talked a little bit about Sea these, these Shepherd. I didn't know about Sea Shepherd until... But like becoming more active I'd never heard of them so can you tell listeners who also might not know like who who they are and what they do yeah of course um so Sea Shepherd is a international non-profit organization they engage in direct action to defend the ocean the wildlife within the ocean anything from your smallest krill all the way up to your biggest whale and as we we call them in our internal communication with sea shepherd we call them our clients all of our clients are our oh, ocean. clients are like fish and and, and yeah. whales and everything oh my god i love that <laughs> they are our clients and we need to protect them and look after them and make sure that they have a, a healthy environment to live in so the global team's work is done offshore and it is done obviously within in in the ocean there's lots of different campaigns that are going on right now and that go on at different times of the year so say for instance we're talking about the cove there is cove guardians and they are sea shepherds who are down in, in the cove. It's very dangerous because the, the Japanese government do not think that they're doing anything wrong. So what sea shepherds are doing down there is they are being a presence and making people feel uncomfortable about doing it and also recording it and putting it out to the rest of the world so that everyone knows that it's happening and it's not just swept under the rug. Then we have in, say, the Faroe Islands, we have more sea shepherds, volunteers. Again, it's not an illegal activity. They can kill whales. Over there, it's part of their uh, culture, as they say, which, um, again, we know as not being the best thing to do for the environment, uh, to put it lightly. But we are there and we are videoing it and we are taking it to the world and telling the world that this is happening. And then we also have situations where we are working with the governments in Africa. So saying in Gabon in Africa to help them stop poachers and illegal fishing in their waters. So like us here in Ireland, they don't have a massive navy and they needed help with the overfishing that was happening and also the bycatch situation that was happening when um, illegal boats were coming into their their waters. And Sea Shepherd went down there, we investigated, we saw that 0.02% of the catch that was happening was actually what they were looking for to catch. And they were looking for to, to catch shrimp at that point, but they were catching anything from uh, turtles to dolphins to um, just basically plundering that whole section of the ocean. Uh, so Sea Shepherd went down there and, and they're still down there. They're helping the the African government in Gabon to liaise together to get these boats arrested and get the uh, boats out of the waters and get them docked for good. Then we've got we've got other campaigns going on. The Stop Finning campaign was one major thing that we were involved in here in Ireland. And Stop Finning is a EU initiative to stop the sale of shark fins within Europe. And it's kind of dire to think of, but uh, Spain is actually the second highest distributor of shark fins in the world. What? Um, I'm in Spain right now. What? 
Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? That's wild. Because yeah, you, this this comes up in conspiracy as well that people just assign the, this kind of idea to countries in Asia, but yeah. like Europe is well neck deep in atrocities like finning and stuff like that. Wow, I didn't know Spain was one of the highest distrib- distributors. Yeah, um, and I know that there's like a petition and stuff that people can sign for that. I'm going to link all these things in the show notes as well, so that people can can find them easily. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. There was a there was a voting happening, um, and it's we needed to get one million votes in Europe to bring this to the EU Parliament, and that was achieved, thank God. And we Ireland managed to get our threshold as well so we had 9,000 votes that we had to get of people and it's their legitimate voting like it's it's like any ballot it just wasn't done in a ballot format everyone has the right to vote on these EU legislations but now it's with the EU parliament we've had uh, our discussions already and they're going to pass whether it's going to be law or not in in a couple of weeks actually the 29th I think it is of March Um, so hopefully fingers crossed that that becomes a law that it's just absolutely you cannot trade shark fins at all in Europe. Um, and anyone caught doing so would be punished within the realms of the law. So the things like that that we're trying to, we're trying to change. Obviously, everyone is aware of the big plastic problem in the world, the littering and the pollution that is going into our, straight into our oceans. Because if you see a crisp packet that's on the street in Dublin, that will end up out in the ocean because all the drains lead to the ocean in the end. Um, so we, as onshore volunteers, we do a lot of not only beach cleaning, though, we do canal cleaning. We also do, like if anyone is not within a reach of a sea, say in the centre of the, city, of the of the country, cleaning up your area is what we kind of, that's the message that we want to get out there. Keeping everything clean and looking after it is the best way for all animals to survive. You know, we're not only talking about the ones that are under the under the sea. We're also talking about birds and bees and everything. Mm-hmm. So um, it's all interlinked. Yeah. Exactly, the circle of life, as they say in the in the Lion King. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we've been doing lots of beach cleaning. We did eighteen beaches last year and collected over a thousand two hundred kilograms of waste from the beaches. So. It's um, lots of effort. Within that, then, as we were talking to people doing beach cleans, it was really interesting because new people are coming up to us all the time going, oh, I, I, I'm here, like, you know, we're going to different beaches. So they're like, I'm here every Saturday and I, I bring a bag with me and collect stuff. And you're like, that's amazing. That's excellent. And thank you so much for doing that. And they were thanking us for coming to clean their beach. But then we got talking to a few different people from different kind of walks of life. And I want to make it really clear that Sea Shepherd are not against people earning a living when it comes to farming to fishing to oyster farming etc what we really want you to make sure you're doing is the right thing for the environment within that so we were talking to a few fishermen we were talking to a few people that were working on the oyster farm down in Wexford like it was our way in I suppose to have a listening ear as well of like okay what are you doing and then once we know what they're doing we can try and help them do it better or not do it at all so that was really interesting for for us and it, it spurred off a whole new section of our ghost network campaign it's wider than us as well we've brought in some guys from portugal who are going to be working with us and uh, italy and the ghost nets for anyone that doesn't know are nets that are left in the ocean by either fishing trawlers or fishing men or that have maybe like escaped the docks i suppose you know from a bad storm or something like that not necessarily left in the ocean but have maybe made their way back to the ocean and are causing harm they can nets are designed to catch fish like like imagine an animal underwater with fins no thumbs trying to get out of a net 
designed to entangle them. Yeah, they, they're really, really detrimental. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what we're, we're working on now is a ghost network campaign where we collect the, the nets. We will have a connection point in Dublin, Cork and Donegal. And fishermen who have their leftover nets can just go and bring them there. We'll collect them all and then we will transport them to a company who will recycle them but not only recycle them but re reimagine them i suppose is the way to look at it so um we're looking at a company that making bracelets and stuff from it and um, we're also looking at a company that's making coats uh bags just repurposing the material so that it's no longer harmful and it's not just sitting there as a net it's now usable because it's really durable plastic as far as i know as well like it, it oh is yeah it's tough, tough going stuff yeah um yeah they can make lots of stuff from it reusable bottles all the um the coffee cups that are reusable and stuff as well just like there's swimming suit companies that were yeah. like we're recycle fishing there yeah. lots of lots of stuff to be made out of them but we just don't have the factory to process it in ireland so that's why we have to move it outside of ireland it'd be amazing if we had one of them instead of a big cheese plant factory now wouldn't it wouldn't it just Man, just putting that out there into the ether <laughs> A nice upcycling fish in their factory, but all we can think about is cheese. Um, <laughs> the the campaigns that you are working on sound absolutely amazing, but I think one misconception a lot of people have, and maybe obviously people listening to this podcast are environmentally conscious in a lot of ways already, but I'm still learning about the life that we actually have in our oceans and the fact that Ireland, I believe we have in our, like as a country, five times the amount of sea surface as we do land um, 10 times is it 10 times oh my god whoa so we have 10 times the sea yeah. surface of our country and obviously when you think of ireland you just see our little teddy bear shaped island and that's what you think of when you when we come up in the eurovision or whatever they don't show you the sea around us but like we're one of a very few island countries in europe and with that comes a lot of responsibility as uncle ben and says in spider-man but also we have so much wildlife that we can say is native to us that we don't know about so we think about fungi and we think about seals but then you know oh my god we have orcas visited in donegal isn't that so strange no not really so can you tell us can you tell us a little bit about the wildlife like the, the actual species that we have but because we can't breathe on the water we just don't see them you know we don't get as excited about them because we don't see them like we do when we see squirrels or foxes yeah absolutely i mean like i don't think many people know that off the coast of ireland is a coral reef it's just really far down so it's not the normal coral reef that you'd see in say australia where all these bright colors are happening because it's right up in the sun rays but there is coral living and breathing just off the coast of Ireland um, and yeah you're right I mean it's 220 million acres is the marine mass um, around Ireland which is just an uh, incomprehensible number to me yeah. to me anyway um, I have to kind of look at the map and go okay now I get it okay yes big 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 <laughs> it's big 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 <laughs> lots of zeros <laughs> um, but yeah so we have um, creatures like as you mentioned we have bottlenose dolphins but we also have common dolphins who are absolutely beautiful black and white color on them a little bit of brown along the side we also have um different types of seals we've got gray seals and common seals and basking sharks are always around ackle in the summertime they're humongous but they are gentle giants absolutely gentle they like when everyone hears the word shark they kind of get a bit afraid and it's like oh it's a shark 
this is the friendliest shark you'll ever meet. The huge mouth on them, so they're a bit terrifying to look at, but they're they're so incredibly majestic when they're swimming and um peaceful and you'll see loads of different fish around them as well like hanging out <laughs> yeah they um, have like symbiotic relationships don't they where like they all... do but we also have like the, the smaller creatures we've got lots of different types of starfish so there's like the the cushion starfish which is literally like a cushion and it's got five little points on it and it looks like you could just kind of go boop <laughs> Something from a Pixar film. Aww. Yeah, literally, it's so cute and small. But we've got loads of different types of, of starfish as well. Um, lots of different uh, species of mussel, which we are very proud of in our food industry side of things, but not so much in how beautiful they are alive. We've obviously got salmon and um, trout, cod. These numbers of these fish, though, unfortunately, are diminishing rapidly, almost non-existent. Like you talk to any fisherman and they're finding it really hard to find the fish they used to have. So their shops and their um, industries are suffering because of these other big, massive factory ships that are coming in and just pillaging everything and taking it all. And that's just reducing our overall fish and amazing diversity that we have here in our waters there's so many there's lobsters there's spider crabs down there there's uh, conger eels in the irish water there's little sharks there's uh, bigger sharks as dogfish which are a type of shark then there's never mind them but everyone loves a seahorse so many seahorses in Ireland and they're they're hanging out minding their own business and then they get whopped up by a big massive trawler and you're like oh no wait a second so yeah we we always do think of the kind of bigger ones the the sharks and whales and and dolphins and seals but we need to concentrate also on the smaller ones the mussels the uh, octopus the squid the seahorses uh, the starfish all of these little little creatures that are begging us to help them to survive really yeah and without um, the krill and the small creatures there wouldn't be the basking sharks and you know exactly. everyone kind of relies on each other and actually there's this artist that i came across on instagram literally only in the last couple of weeks called rachel brooks and she's in she's scottish and she makes like watercolor paintings of animals of sea life mostly and she has like a print now obviously you we won't really be able to see it but I'm going to send it to you and I'll post it on my Instagram marine life of the Irish sea and she paints like a basking shark bottlenose dolphin harbour porpoise blue shark the grey seal but this like beautiful painting and all of her stories on her Instagram tell you a little bit about the species and where it is and how it's doing and it's just like a really nice way it's a really nice example of artivism and kind of showing people because I think this is so important with sea life because we can't see it we need we need to be reminded all the time of what's there and what what needs protecting like I don't know I just start following her she has no idea who I am but <laughs> I'm, a big fan now. I'm a big fan of her art um that's but- amazing yeah there's so there's so there is so much beauty out there and it's it's not explored properly yet you know and it's not being looked after either so we're at a point where we're destroying something we didn't even know was there in the first place which is sad yeah big time Big time. Like there's the Greenland shark who was alive when Shakespeare was. The Greenland shark lives for hundreds of years and we don't even know how they mate because they they live so far down at the bottom of the ocean. Like that, like that, that just blows my mind. But our microplastics, they're the only thing reaching the bottom of the ocean. So to think that we are having the negative effect 
that we are is, is really horrible. Now, we will get into what we can do because that's a, I don't want to numb everybody into, into just feeling sad, but it is important to empower ourselves with the knowledge as well. So we talked about ghost nets being an issue. I know pollution is an issue of, of just like normal litter coming in and plastic waste in general um, going into the ocean. Uh, I talked about this on Seal Rescue Ireland as well. I interviewed them and they were saying how seals absolutely will eat a crisp packet because it looks like a shiny fish. And that's all it takes for that, that seal that, to unfortunately die. We also have terrible waste management here in Ireland. And a lot of that goes into the ocean, which is, I imagine, disrupting things and then mm. dredging and trawling. Can you explain, because this is something I actually don't understand, why super trawlers, which are the big factory ships that just take the whole ocean floor with them, and if they're only looking for shrimp, which may be bottom dwelling, they'll take everything, the sharks, the seahorses, the the coral, and then everything else is bycatch. So it could be that 1% or whatever of, of shrimp is caught and everything else is just thrown back into the sea, most likely dead, which is absolutely atrocious. How come Ireland is allowing that in our waters only the other week we had marjorie i think it's called so mm-hmm. are you able to say like why they're i can i can assume <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly why i know that there is a there is a, a disconnect between the government of ireland and what's actually happening out there and what they know is happening out there in the ocean it's kind of like what we we're talking about earlier it's like turn a blind eye to something you don't want to know the answer to we know what is the best thing to do for our ocean? The Irish government knows it's going to cost them money. And that is what they see is dollars or euro signs, I should say, not dollar signs. Uh, euro signs, because it, it's not only going to cost them money to not have these big, massive trawlers kind of rent the area for a while. It's also going to cost money to get more Navy personnel out there to stop them. Because we only have, what is it, two active Navy boats for what? a 220 million acre area. Oh, my God. <laughs> we don't have enough people Jeez. and money put into that to protect it. Like, I mean, Australia were able to turn around and save that Marjorie's Marginus super trawler. No, you're not coming into our waters. And they had to turn their heel and, and leave because they were not allowed into Australian waters. We don't have the backup to do that. And it is sickening and saddening and we here in Sea Shepherd Ireland will do everything we can to keep plugging that and keep pushing it. And I know that Fair Seas are doing a great job as well of getting those areas protected um, and getting the marine protected areas up to the 30%. I we're am... two now, isn't it? I think we're at eight at the moment. Oh, eight. We jumped okay. up another 6% just before Ooh. they went off to some other conference. Oh, um, but these are numbers. I mean, for me, it's not enough to say, okay, we'll do 30% for 30 because who's actually protecting that area? Who are you talking about? Yeah, money is the is the source of all evil, really, in this world, unfortunately. And when it when money is involved, or somebody's going to lose money or have to spend money, they don't want to do it. That's a lot of the time. It's where Sea Shepherd come in around the globe as well. We are funded by purely by people sponsoring us, and they like some people. Uh, we've been lucky enough that. People have bought boats for us that we can go out there and do stuff, uh, buy equipment. We've got um, stuff like that. But we can go where no government can, basically, because we are a, we are a private navy. 
So we, mm. we can go anywhere. And but do you have a leg to stand on if you because because Sea Shepherd, I imagine like your your flag is like your pirates, and I love that pirates protecting <laughs> the sea, your clients. So do you guys ever intervene with illegal fishing boats or illegal whaling and things like that? Or can you do that without the government backing you up? Because then you're breaking some laws or something. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Sea Shepherd 10 years ago, what they were doing in the South Pacific for for stopping the Japanese waders was gathering research around what was happening. So these these Japanese waders were down there and they were saying, hey, we're doing this for research purposes and we're just catching the whales for research and we have a quota to that we can go by and that's within the law. So they basically found a, a way around the law, basically. Mm. And they're like, we're not actually catching these for our own benefit. But Sea Shepherd watched and they they gathered evidence that they weren't just doing it for research. These were not real re- research vessels. They weren't real research groups. They got the information behind it and they shut them down. And they brought this evidence basically to the governments to go, hey, this, these guys, <laughs> like, hello, these guys. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. So Sea Shepherd used to take really drastic measures of like, without harming any humans, they would like throw stink bombs stink bombs just to make that like not actual bombs but stink bombs onto the deck so that the whale meat would not be they wouldn't be able to sell the whale meat basically so when they were bringing the whale up on deck it would be covered in this stink and they couldn't sell the meat anymore so just it would deter them from catching them in the first place especially if sea shepherd were around and Sea Shepherd, like, you know, they would get in between if there was a ship out there for a long time. And they were, I don't know if you've watched Chasing the Thunder, but it is amazing. Oh, yeah. um, okay. It's a uh, Peter Hammerstead, um, one of our captains in, in Sea Shepherd was was chasing a illegal trawler for 100 days out in the ocean. And you'll just see what what kind of stuff they get up to. It's amazing that like they're they get in between the, the ship and the refueling ship. So they can't refuel, and they just kind of cause a bit of disruption. But that's what these shepherd does; they're disruptive. We have like, to be organization. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to sometimes be there. when the government has failed and the legislation isn't there, like what are you going to do when someone's hand is, is moving in a way to do detrimental yeah. action? Like you get in the way of the hand. That's pretty. That's the thing, and like I mean, right now I know that they say in um, Iceland there is more whaling. They're just after legalizing whaling again, which is really upsetting. So again. Sea Shepherd will be there to document everything and put part like it's so much 10 years ago it wasn't as easy as what it is not not that it's easy it wasn't as easy to get the word out there you'd have to rely on newspapers to pick it up or you'd have to rely on news news um, agencies to do it for you whereas now Sea Shepherd have the platforms to be to put them up on their their own um, social medias etc and share it so that it has to be picked up and it has to be putting pressure on these different governments like you see the Faroe Islands campaigns the pressure that is put on the government to stop it and I like Sea Shepherd Sea Spiracy did the same thing they talked about it and they brought it to the public and the public were disgusted by it it hasn't stopped it unfortunately but it has put pressure to stop it and it will mm-hmm. um like down the line hopefully will stop it but when you're out in the op- in the open ocean the only way to kind of stop that kind of stuff is again to document it to put pressure on it and to report it back to the the authorities. So by people in Ireland reporting to us, like what we got the other day about that trawler, we didn't know about that trawler. We don't have eyes out in the ocean. We don't have a a boat. But we had our friends in the fishing community go, hey, guys, look at this. This is happening outside of Ireland. 
we need people to do that for us as well. We need to gather the information and bring it to the government and go, hey, stop this because this is not good for our ocean. It's not good for our fishing population, our villages, anyone. It's not good for anyone. Like if we keep allowing these monstrous factory ships into our waters, there will be no second breath for anyone. Ever. So, yeah. Sorry, really, I've got a bit yeah. passionate about no, that. No, that's, that's what we need. Emma for president. No, honestly, we need, that's what we need because you mentioned earlier that like money is the root of all evil, but what's missing is that connection with nature that you explained having with your mom. Like we yeah. need to bring the emotion into it and we need to foster that connection. But obviously we fortunately need money to survive in the society that we live in today. But if the government, if the TDs, the people themselves, the individual was to recognize and feel and realize the importance of this cycle of this the amazing life that is in our seas in Ireland and across the world and how it's all interlinked the money then is not worth it. Like that's why you're, do- you're doing the work you do for free because this is more important than the money. And so like, I do believe that we can reach that with people and we need to do that with like activism and art and yeah, raising awareness and making documentaries. Like it's so, so important. And you mentioned there that one of the things people do that can help is to report things and send them to you, which is good. Mm-hmm. How else can people help and support Sea Shepherd and get involved? Um, well, we are looking for volunteers right now. So if anyone is interested in volunteering, we have it's volunteer at seashepherdireland.org. So we need everyone from every walk of life. We don't just need, you know, somebody who is same age as me or anything like that. Everyone is welcome to be a volunteer. And it doesn't matter how much time you have, you, you can give to it. I mean, if you have 10 minutes a day where you share our posts, you are considered a sea shepherd. You are behind us. You are supporting us. Please do so. So don't let like time constraints stop you from getting involved. If you're not involved, if you're not interested in becoming a volunteer per se, but you do want to follow stuff, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have all the social medias. I even put up a TikTok at one point. Um, well, not sure how, how, so how well that works. It should be like an hour to do a 30 second reel. I don't know how Gen Z do this. Oh my God. I don't either. I need to, like, when my nieces and nephews grow up a little bit, I need to employ them. Um, <laughs> but keeping your eyes open, really, and, and understanding what you're buying. If you are someone who buys fish, right, we don't expect everyone to be vegan. In an ideal world, we will be all vegan. But right now, especially... There's a transition in, like, to happen. Like, there is. It's not going to happen overnight. So in this Absolutely transition, not. what can people do? Yeah, so I'm the only one in my family who is vegan and I try to explain to them that if you could do it one one day a week, for one meal a week even, not even for the whole day, but you assume for one meal a week, that's even like, you know, it's a starting point. But really what I drive home and I try to drive home to everyone is know where you are buying your stuff from. So when you pick up your beef, we had this huge campaign in Ireland about making sure it's Irish and make sure it's Irish beef and blah, 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 Irish, right? Yes, 100%, make sure it's Ireland. But where in Ireland is it coming from? And do you trust that farm slash farmer? Just like I was quite shocked to find out when I was working in another company that a lot of chicken that's bought in Ireland is not Irish chickens. They say prepared in Ireland. Be careful. Prepared in Ireland doesn't mean that it's an Irish chicken. Prepared in Ireland means that it was packaged by the company in Ireland, but it was bought in, say, China 
and shipped here. And these these factories are huge. It's just important to know that you're supporting locally, you're supporting your local farmer, your local um, industry, and you're not supporting more carbon footprints by buying something that came all the way from China. I mean, if we go back to like 50, 60 years ago, where we always used to go to a market and buy the stuff yeah. there, it would be yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, and and then obviously the other the other parts are you know how much packaging is on your product that you're buying? Could you buy something that's not as packaged? You know we all see the fruit and vegetables. I mean a, a cucumber is covered in plastic. Um, why I don't know. Just have the mindset of not buying that and stop giving money to that kind of production because it's just not working for the environment and it's not worth it. And then what the the other part is obviously if you don't have time to volunteer but you do have a little more cash flow, please send it to those that need it, like us here in Sea Shepherd Ireland. Um, there are loads of NGOs in Ireland that need support to continue what they're doing. Yeah, we like we are volunteers. Well and- Absolutely. There's so many of them that are doing amazing work that need support money-wise, because as we say, money does like you know help um, as well as uh, is the root of all evil but we are all volunteers we I put in a lot of my own money to help Sea Shepherd get moving and get going in Ireland but in order for us to make a big impact we need the materials to do so and also the guys offshore need support it costs like over two million to keep a boat on offshore for a year that's with no one being paid that's just the boat itself fuel uh, fuel for the, for, for the crew, I suppose, you know, food for the crew um, and all the repairs and stuff like that that they have to do as well. So Donations um, are, are yeah. very valued if, if you can, if anyone is in that in that position or to even exactly. share, like you said, like this is what social media is for, like share the work, share the work of, of trusted NGOs that are doing what the government isn't and obviously vote. I know our government options, every voting cycle, they're never perfect, but vote in the direction that we need to go. Vote away from where we've been since the dawn of the Irish government. Be informed on what's going on with the government as well. I mean, if you if you don't know, ask. Um, I think people are afraid of asking because they should know or they feel like they should know. But ask the question and just say, like, why are you voting for this person? And and have that open mind of like, okay, this is a good idea or this is not a good idea. And this is how I want to contribute and make up your own mind with what you want to do for yourself and why it sits well with you. You're not doing it just because the government told you to or because I told you to (laughs) as an NGO. You're doing it because you feel like it's the right thing for your future when you think of what it is going to look like. Yeah. 100% 100% and if people do want to continue eating seafood is there a way to know that what you're eating is not trawled unless you're obviously buying it off the, the person who fished it that day is there a way to know because Seaspiracy talks about dolphin safe not being dolphin safe because they just bribe these communities these companies for that stamp um, yeah. is there a way to know for sure the only way to know 100% sure is to go to a fishmonger and actually buy them, like you said, from the person that actually caught the fish themselves. But the likes of your big, massive companies don't buy from them. They will never buy locally. They will be always going by these big industrial ships and commercial fishing just needs to stop. So look at the labeling. You'll be shocked. I guarantee you anyone looking at a label in Dublin, Ireland, looking at a label and finding out that your salmon is actually coming from Tokyo or somewhere. 
and or the Faroe Islands is another massive one that we we take a lot of um, our fish from. I was recently in Switzerland and all of their fish comes from Norway, which a lot of Norwegian ships are actually shipping are actually fishing in Ireland. So they're actually Irish. Oh my God. God they go to so Norway to catch it and back to Switzerland. So you can just imagine the carbon footprint of that, you know, like that's a lot. That's a lot of different things happening. Um, and I won't even go into the whole fashion industry at all. But <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's another podcast. Yeah, oh stuff. my God. No, there's so much because we didn't even talk about like the way, the water treatment as well. Um, mm. Fashion, yeah, fast fashion. Everything is interlinked. So that's why we just, you know, do the best we can and, and be so be as conscious as we can about where things come from because it's it doesn't land on your plate from the sky. Yeah. You know, so yeah. If everyone can just be aware of what's happening, open your mind a little bit to be um to be taught something that's uncomfortable to know. It's not a nice situation that we're in right now. We all need to act to make it different to help it continue we have to think of the future generations and what's going to happen but we also have to think of the now and we can look outside and see what's happening with climate change by the weather that we're having it's coming becoming more in people's faces but people are turning away from it so please just be open to, to listening to what's going on yeah and i think listening is important because what i need to do is encourage my close friends and family and the people that i'm around to open because like Again, people listening will probably open to the discomfort and the sadness, but then you turn it into action. And you're saying friends and family there. I mean, I have, when I said the fact of 100 million sharks are killed a year for their fins, they turned around to me and went, there aren't even 100 million sharks in the water. So what are you talking about? How could that even happen? I was like, what? Like it is a massive number, but the the ocean is massive. Yeah, yeah, you cannot comprehend. No. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, wow. it's um, it's it's about yeah being being open a bit more open minded and and listening to to those around you whether you hundred percent agree with them or not, but just don't just yeah um, yeah ignorance is not necessarily the bad thing. It's it's willful ignorance. So like I I love when I learn stuff, which means I have been ignorant up until that point. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Even about yeah. stuff in this interview. So. That's a lovely point to end on, but I want to jump in a time machine with you now and travel to the future. Beep, boop, pop. Um, we're in the future. Everything's worked out, Emma. The seas are thriving. Um, <laughs> we have. We don't need to worry about our second breath or our first breath. The air is clean. Uh, we have eliminated oppressive colonial systems. Money isn't the evil anymore. What is one of your favorite things? If you imagine the future as it's worked out, like one of your favorite things about it could be something small or it could be something really broad. I think about this question a lot because I think about what I'm doing every day and go, what, what is the difference that I'm making and what, what impact is it going to have? So in an ideal, absolute ideal world where everything is good and we're in the future right now, the image that comes to mind for me is kids playing by the sea in absolute pristine water with little fish flying around them and like, you know, touching, tickling their feet and dolphins jumping in the background and whales passing by with nobody bothering them and everyone living in a, in a symbiotic kind of harmony and no blood is running into any waters anywhere in the world because of somebody else's greed. Yeah, I guess that would be, it would be all blue. All blue. 
<laughs> what a lovely image of the future and dolphin <laughs> merchandise everywhere <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everyone has dolphin pillows <laughs> dolphin rings and earrings and <laughs> jewelry made from uh, nets <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i used to have a dolphin ring and a dolphin bag actually i just remembered now that's so funny. i'm pretty sure everyone did like <laughs> everyone did there was definitely moments in the 90s everyone had dolphin material yeah that's I'm bad. just very glad I never got my um the the tattoo I wanted to get when I was younger was a dolphin obviously and I think like half of America have it <laughs> so okay. I'm really glad I didn't get it but now I have my beluga whale tail on my on my arm which is a bit more different but um oh, uh, it reminds me every day as well of what I'm doing and and why I'm doing it yeah. and it's for those cute little creatures like beluga whales i'd love that emma thank you so so much for this chat i'm going to link everything that we chatted about and of course sea shepherd's website and stuff like that but i can't thank you enough for being here thank you so much oh, it's been great girl thanks so much i uh, loved it and um all right hopefully you guys enjoyed that as much as i did really really enjoy hearing people's journey into why they start caring about the environment and that so hopefully you'll you can take yourself to a lake or a beach or a riverside and take some deep breaths in and appreciate the oxygen that we get from the ocean i want to say two things here as well first off the eu stop the trade stop finning campaign that they got over 1.1 million signatures for from european citizens sea shepherd ireland and a couple of other groups as well that was presented to the European Parliament and then on the 27th of March there was a group of experts that like made their case and made the plea and basically um, there is a video of that online that you can watch and I'll link in the show notes but as well the European Parliament basically has until the 11th of July to make a decision so hopefully we will find out then or before then that they will end the sale and the trading of shark fins and prohibit the fishing of sharks for shark fins in Europe it is the absolute least that we can do so I've linked that an article about that and you can go back and watch what happened on the 27th of March and so that's one thing I want to say and then the other thing before I leave you guys I want to just share some things that I've been listening to or reading or ingesting um and I want to give a shout out to Ecolution which is back which is a beautiful Irish podcast it basically looks at loads of different topics and that are really kind of hard to get your head around sometimes and they're really digestible I mean it's made for kids I love it though so they just started back and they have a really important episode out on ocean currents and the science behind melting sea ice and how that affects rising sea levels it's really really interesting and this has not been in the news as much as it should have been after some recent reports came out so I'd absolutely recommend giving Ecolution a listen especially if you have little ears around it's it's brilliant but I mean I really struggle to take in academic information so I find it really really helpful so Go listen to Ecolution. Birdwatch Ireland, their podcast is also back and I love their podcast so much. And then a book that I'm reading now, um, I finished reading all of the guys from the panel talk for Kurt International Festival of Literature. They were all brilliant. And now I'm reading Zen and the Art of Saving the Planet. It's really good. I'm halfway through already. I've only started reading a week ago and I'd usually be quite a slow reader. So that is really, really helpful. And yeah, those are my kind of suggestions for you to kind of broaden your knowledge. And of course, all of the documentaries, anything else that myself and or Emma mentioned here, 
in this interview will be linked in the show notes. If for whatever reason, when you're listening to this on Spotify or Google, you can't find the links. If you go onto the website, bookofleespodcast.com, I have a website, you'll be able to find them there. You can see Emma's episode and everything will be linked there. All right, I think that's everything. (laughs) I hope you guys are having a lovely time uh, wherever you're listening to this, wherever in the world. Sending you all my love. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll be back again in two weeks time. Keep your suggestions coming in for guests. I still have people coming up with ideas and I've got a lovely little bank of recordings made. So hopefully the rest of them will all have perfect audio. But sure look, we will see. Okay, thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to share it with a friend. Support on Patreon if you can. And go spend some time in nature, by the sea. Talk to you soon. Bye.